Church, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you know that when, when something is, is so good, we often like to go back to it? It's like watching a good movie. You want to watch it again. You ever walked out of the movie theater after watching a movie? You're like, man, I can't wait to watch it again. That's how Hebrews 11 is. You can't get enough of Hebrews 11. We were watching the Spider-Man Forever. Is that, is, was that the name of the movie? What's it called? Spider-Man no, Spider No Way Home? Spider-Man No Way Home. And there was a whole bunch of movie geeks in the theater over here in Carson. And there were like moments in the movie where people started like cheering. I was looking. People were crying watching the movie. And all of a sudden, I don't want to ruin the, the movie for those of you guys who haven't watched it, but there was a, several moments in the movie where the people just erupted in, like, applause. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was just like, they're weird. We walked out of the, yeah, we walked out of the Carson Mall. I don't even call it South Bay Pavilion, you know what I mean? It's the Carson Mall. And um, my son and Boomy and Judah, they're like, they're like nerd alert, you know what I mean? They're trying to bring me in, though. They're trying to proselytize me. And they're like, can't wait to watch that movie again. Let's go watch it in the theaters. And I'm just like, I ain't spending 50 bucks again to go watch a movie that I almost fell asleep in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, whatever. <laughs> Hebrews 11. Sometimes you just got to go back. You just got to go back because Hebrews 11 is where it, where. It, it's where it begins for all of us. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. Somebody say faith. How many of you have faith? How many of you have, how many of us have struggled in our faith before? How many of us have, have, have ever doubted before? How many of us have, have ever been discouraged before and our faith dwindled? How many of us lost a little hope and because we lost a little hope, we, we started losing faith? I mean, we, all of us will have our hand up at every time because, you know, when life happens, no matter whether you're a believer or not, um, we all experience failure, hurt, bad experiences, discouragement, loss of confidence. We look around and the way things appear sometimes will, will, will just zap the, the hope right out of us, the faith right out of us. You know what I mean? It's like. Here in SoCal, you know, it's cold in the morning and then hot by daytime. And by nighttime, you got the snivels and dealing with, with, uh, with allergies and hay fever. And, and just like you look at you get home and you're just exhausted. And they say, yeah, man, it was the weather. It just took it right out of me. It's crazy up in Southern California, isn't it? Not to mention the, the holy smog we got. Praise God. We look around. Sometimes it's too little, too late, and we lose faith. We lose faith, and when we lose faith, we have lack of power. When we lose faith, it leads to lack of vision. Sometimes we look around, and we don't want to be ridiculed because of the things that we still want to believe and want to keep the hope alive for, and we, we look ridiculous. You look ridiculous because of the God that you serve. You and I as Christians, people are looking at us 
from all around the world and, and, and thinking that, that we're ridiculous because of our faith. But how many of you know that God has called us to have a ridiculous faith? A ridiculous faith. Sometimes you look around and you're the only one. You feel alone because you're still believing. Tom Brady, a couple Super Bowls back, he looked ridiculous. But they came back and won the Super Bowl. Who they beat? The Atlanta Falcons? That was ridiculous. I'm not even a Patriots fan. I'm not even a Tom Brady fan. But, you know, when you see something that is inspirational, we can all learn from that, right? Never lose hope. Never lose faith. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's the substance of things hoped for, in other words, and the evidence of things that is unseen. Faith is the substance. We talked about substance last week. Substance. Sub meaning below. Stance meaning how we stand. Faith is what we are standing upon. And faith is, it should dictate the way you and I live our lives. The, the way you and I walk. The way you and I act. The way you and I talk. Our talk should be filled with faith. Our talk should be Filled with words of hope, not negativity, not doubt. If you're a boxer and you get in the ring and you doubt, you already lost. If you're a baseball player and you get in the batter's box and you already envision yourself striking out or uh, being afraid to strike out, you already struck out. If you're a singer and you stand up there on the stage and you already are thinking about forgetting the lyrics, you already messed up. If you're a preacher and you stand in the pulpit and you lose hope and you already have visions of, of not being able to communicate or not being able to, to be obedient to what God has called you to do, we've already failed. If, if, if we as a father or a mother are already doubting our parental skills and, and doubting whether or not we have what it takes to lead our family and, and, to, and to lead them in the ship of faith through life's storms. And guess what? We've already failed. If we as a student think that we're an F student or a D student and we cannot do it, guess what? We've already failed. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God wants to inject in us the kind of faith that will allow you to walk through the fire. Faith is the kind of thing that when you can't see it, God brings you all the way through that situation. Even when no one around wants to walk with you, you got to walk the walk that God is leading you to walk. <laughs> Having faith, and not just any faith, we talked about faith in Jesus. Jesus, by faith, went to the cross believing that he was in God's hand. That the, that, the, the that the prophecies of old would be fulfilled and that he would be raised again on the third day. Jesus had to believe. Can I hear an amen? God's calling us to believe. 
Look what it says in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Who exists? God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him, who earnestly seek Jesus, who earnestly believe that God exists and that Jesus died and that he rose again on the grave. And because of that, you and I put our faith in Jesus, even though we can't see Jesus, even though we can't see God, we are Believing and trusting and putting our confidence in the impossible, putting our confidence in God to bring us through. And here's the operative verse in Hebrews chapter 11 for us today, verse 7. And then it's going to launch us into a story of a mighty man of faith. It says in verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Somebody say not yet seen. In holy fear, somebody say holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world. Oh, man, we're going to get into this one. He condemned the world by his faith. Calm down, John, calm down. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, bless this time that we have in the word. Lord Jesus, open our minds, open our hearts, open our eyes to see the wonderful things that you have in store for us through your word. Build our faith. Give faith to those who don't have any, who lack faith. Lord Jesus, help us to turn to you when it seems there's no other way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Somebody say, by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to have faith. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and let them know you got to have faith. By faith, I pulled up to the gas station yesterday. I think I said this last time. It was more than six bucks a gallon. I hate it when they don't put up there, you know, the real cost if you're going to pay by debit card or credit card. You think you're getting it for like 10 cents cheaper? I got out of the truck and I went, just like this, over there by Long Beach Poly. My son had a baseball game. I was in the area over there. You know. I got out the truck. My, 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 my gas tank was on empty, Sister Yvette. And I said, $120! And I just screamed it at the top. I had to get it out. I had to get it out of my chest. And then, you know, I heard one of those voices in the back of my head, nobody told you to buy a big truck. <laughs> and then there was a brother. He was a homeless brother. He was in a wheelchair. He was sitting up in the shade on the other side of the parking lot, and he was with another uh, partner of his like that. And he said, what would you say? 
I said, $120 to fill up my gas tank. And that was a brother of faith. That brother, he had the faith that Hebrews talks about, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He said, why don't you pay 119 and give me a dollar? I want him on my team. He was by faith. He was putting it out there. Like, you going to put it out there? I'm going to put it right back at you. You got 120 bucks to put in your gas tank? I know you got a dollar. I mean, how big is our God? How big is our God? Real big. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Silver and gold. It belongs to the Lord. What is filling up your gas tank? You're like, Pastor, if you only knew my bank account. We serve a big God, and he's a Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. So I said, all right, I got you, bro. I went in there, and I, I, don't, I don't pay at the, at, the, at the gas tank. I don't swipe at the I don't want to you know, get my, my identity and all my stuff. So I go, I go inside, and I pay. And uh, I did what I had to do, and I said, by faith, you know, I was like 120 bucks. I didn't, I should have done 119, right? But I knew I had a $10 bill in my pocket. It was a $10 bill that Boomy gave me. She was like, man, this is the last $10 bill I got. We, we sh- I don't know what it is. My generation, we don't, we barely ca- carry cash anymore. My dad's generation, I still go up to him all the time, you know, like I used to. Like, hey, Pops, you got any cash? Here you go. Me when he tur- pulls out a, a, a we, we, used to, we used to call it a Filipino money roll. It's like a $20 on the outside and then like $101 bills. That's what we used to call it, my Filipino friend. Pops always got some money and some cash. And so I got back over there to the brother who was chilling up, up along the, the, the shade. And I said, hey, man, I got a $10 bill. I said, you know this brother? He goes, that's my partner. That's my partner. I said, all right. Five for you, five for him. He goes, you got it. So I gave it to the brother who spoke by faith. And they got hooked up 500% more than what they originally asked for. Amen? Five bucks each. What a blessing. It's it's a blessing to to give and to to obey. Amen? We serve a big God. And that's why God wants us to step out in faith and not be afraid to walk by faith. Not be afraid. To call things out, not be afraid to speak things into existence, even when they don't exist. There's a man named Noah here in the Bible that, in the early parts of the book of Genesis, he was one of the ancients. Noah was one of the ancients. He's introduced before Abraham. The Bible says that a man named Noah... Walked with God. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. This man named Noah walked with God. 
He walked with God. The scripture tells us that God looked over the inhabitants of the earth and he saw that they had become wicked. They had become corrupt or shakat. They were a shakat generation. In Hebrew, this ancient language said that they were filled with Hamas. Everybody say Hamas. Hamas in Hebrew means violent. I was trying to see if there were any correlations between this Hebrew word Hamas and the Arabic word Hamas, which is a, an Islamic resistant movement. And I just found that the, the Hamas is an acronym for a resistance group that is a part of the Islamic faith. But what I saw that God had seen that his own creation, his own children had become wicked and corrupt without faith. And the Bible introduces faith early on with, with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought offerings unto God, both of them. But one gave sparingly and the other one gave by faith. Cain gave to God reluctantly, like, I don't know, God's requiring an offering, I don't know, how much do I have, how much can I give, you know, and then, okay, then I'll give that. And the Bible says that he gave the, the dregs of, of the, the agricultural product that he, that he was in charge of and that he had. But the Bible says that his brother Abel came and he gave an offering pleasing and acceptable unto God. That means that Abel gave by faith. He gave the best to God. Abel gave the best to God. And we're reading here in Noah, and God's continuing to survey the inhabitants on the earth, and he's seeing that some are living by faith and some are living without faith. Now, if, if someone has faith or professes faith in God, faith in Jesus, then God is looking to see and make sure that you and I don't stop believing, don't stop walking, don't stop trusting, don't stop looking to him because there, there, there are inhabitants here on the earth right now in this present day and age that are walking away from their faith. There's a vacuum of hope. There's a vacuum of faith. There's, a, there's a, a movement and a spirit of, of disbelief and unbelief that is being pulled out of the believer, pulled out of the church, pulled out of God's creation, his own children. But God is looking for a remnant. God's looking for someone who's going to continue to trust in him. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 and following. It says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. They had corrupted their own ways. They had influenced one another. And they had, they had allowed the worst in humanity to become 
the majority, the ruling way of life. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. They had corrupted their ways. Verse 13, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. And God had a conversation with Noah. That means he had a relationship with Noah. For the earth is filled with violence, Hamas, because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. Somebody say judgment. That's called the wrath of God. And I want you to know that the wrath of God and the judgment of God is real. Just because we're in the New Testament, just because we're a part of the New Covenant, just because God has given us his son Jesus by grace, it does not mean that judgment no longer exists. It doesn't mean that the wrath of God is, is somehow not a possibility. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. So make yourself an ark, verse 14, of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. And then he goes on and gives details. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Now, I don't know if you know, but there wasn't a whole bunch of ships sailing the oceans at this time. They didn't have the technologies for this kind of thing. We're talking ancient Near East. The technological advancements of the time were nearly absent. They were just barely learning how to work with bronze. They were just barely learning how to work with metals to make weapons and technology to, to cultivate the land, let alone build a massive ark 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. That means this ceiling right here is 20 feet. So double the, the, the height of this ceiling, okay, Take three sanctuaries and put them together, the length of this sanctuary, and that's 450 feet. And 75 feet wide. That's twice the depth of this sanctuary right here. That's how big this undertaking was that God was, was commanding Noah to make, to build. Something impossible. This was the Titanic before the Titanic. This was. This was. A UFO. Of their day. An unidentified floating object. They had never seen anything like it. It had never been done before. 
could not have been duplicated. There were no engineers. There were no physicists. There was no mathematics. But God said, build it for me and for you because you're going to need it. That's how amazing this undertaking was. Noah was ridiculed by his peers. What are you doing, Noah? What is this thing? This is crazy. God told me to build it. I'm going to build it. Where are you going to get the supplies? I have no idea. God's going to have to supply it for me. How do you even know how to build it? I don't know how to build it, but God's going to send me some people that know how to build it. Where are you going to get the people to build it? I don't know. I'm going to find the people that are going to help me build it. You don't know how long it's going to take for you to build this. You're you're probably going to die before they finish it. Whether I die or not, I'm going to build it, and I'm going to complete it in the name of Jehovah, in the name of Elohim. I'm going to build it. Somebody say, I'm going to build it. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to build my faith. I'm going to build my faith. You got to build your faith. You got to build the faith of others at the same time. We have to build one another's faith in Jesus' name. We are responsible for building the faith of the church. Can I hear an amen? We are responsible for rebuilding the faith of Christianity. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We are responsible for shaping, for measuring, for for stepping out and, and rebuilding the faith for the 21st century and for the generations to come. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. He said make a roof for it. You got to build a roof to protect your faith. What are you build, building over your life of faith to protect it from the threats that come from above, the spiritual battles that are coming after you, the fiery darts that the enemy is shooting after you? What kind of roof have you built over your faith and over your life and over your home, over your children, over your children's children? What kind of roof are you building? said, uh, finish the ark within 18 inches to the top, build the roof, a little opening, put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. This was a three-story boat. This was before Carnival. This was before the trips down to Esenada to see the bufadora. Right, Pastor Coba? This was before any kind of flood waters had become so deep and so wide to fill there between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. This was a time at the very beginnings of time that God was commanding Noah. To build something so ridiculous that he would become the laughing stock of humankind as they knew it. 
Noah built by faith. And I want to place emphasis on the second part of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, or excuse me, verse 1, where it says the evidence of things unseen. Because I don't know necessarily that Noah was, was, was worried so much about hope or having a hope. He was just being faithful to God, and God had favor upon him because of the way he walked and because of the way he lived. The Bible says he was a blameless man. Somebody say blameless. So Noah was a, was a blameless man and favored by God. I don't know if, if hope was the, the issue for him as much as it was believing in something that God had commanded him to do because of something that was going to take place. Noah wasn't hoping for floodwaters. Noah wasn't hoping to be saved from the floodwaters. He didn't even know that there was going to be floodwaters that, was, that were going to come upon them. Let's continue reading. Verse 17, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under heaven. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. Somebody say judgment. Now that in our faith, in theology and doctrine is called judgment. That God will exact his judgment. That God has the right because he is God and he is the sovereign to exact judgment upon whomever and whoever he decides. For whatever his purposes are, God is in the seat of judgment. Amen? But I will establish my covenant with you, Noah, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You're to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Here we go, verse 22. Noah did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Noah obeyed. The evidence of things unseen, when we don't see things, when God speaks to us, when you can't see the things that God sees in you, when you can't see the situation that is coming, God wants to make sure he prepares you for the situation. And that requires trust, requires obedience. God is preparing you for this thing that he's going to bless you with, but it requires obedience, faith, confidence, trust, even before there are any signs pointing to what God is going to do. It cannot happen until you start believing and trusting and putting faith in it to happen. And that is the bedrock of our faith, is that it begins with our trust and our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's what John 3.16 is established upon. It's great that so God beloved and God, God loved us, for God so loved the world. But the gospel doesn't, start, doesn't stop there. For God so loved the world. Okay, great. God loves us. It's wonderful. 
that he gave. Somebody say gave. His one and only son that whosoever believes in what? In who? In him, in Jesus. They shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Do you know what everlasting life is? I don't either. But I believe it. I'm already walking in it. I've already been grafted in it. I've already received it by faith. Because I trust God and I trust his word. And because I love Jesus. And because I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. Because I'm corrupt. And I'm wicked. And I'm a part of that generation. And if it hadn't been for the ark of Jesus, I too would have lost my life. I too would have been <laughs> going down with everybody else. I too would have, would have lost my life and the ruach, the spirit of God, would have been taken out of me as well. Had it not been for God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to take your sins and mine upon himself when Jesus went by faith to the cross at Calvary to reconcile us to God. God is starting to, to convey his, his, his plan of redemption to his beloved. God started to share the mysteries and the secrets of, of, of life and of the conversation between the Godhead, the triune Godhead. Oh, yeah, oh, man, I see this sin, I see this wickedness, but guess what? I was going to destroy it all. I was going to utterly wipe out everybody, every inhabitant from the face of the earth, but I'm starting over, and I'm starting with you, Noah. We've gone through a pandemic. We've gone through hell and high water. We've gone through every, every single thing a pastor can ever imagine, a church can ever imagine, and God is reestablishing his ark. And God's calling the church to rebuild the ark. And we're going to do it by faith. And we don't even know what it looks like. We don't even know how big it's going to be yet. We need to pray. We need to get on our knees. We want the people of God, every single one of you, to know that the only way to reach the, the lost, only way to reach those who don't know Jesus is by you and I taking upon ourselves the work of the ministry, the go therefore and make disciples part. He's calling each and every one of us to go and build arcs of your own so that you can go and rescue those that God has put in your sphere of influence so that God can go and rescue that generation that God is calling you to reach. Young people, God is calling you to build an ark that's going to reach your generation. God is calling us families to build an ark so that there's a door that can be opened there in the ark. So that you can invite anybody that wants to believe, anybody that wants to trust, anybody that wants to walk the plank with you. And believe that the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. Invite them. Impress it upon them. Let's be obedient. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 that Noah... Out of holy fear. That means that he had such a fear of the Lord in him that he couldn't even, it wasn't even an option to disobey. It wasn't even an option for Noah to lose sight of his faith. It wasn't even an option for Noah to, to, to contemplate a life without God. 
for the believer to contemplate a life without Jesus is sin. For the believer to contemplate faith without being a part of the body of Christ and the church is sin. Contemplate a life without God, without Jesus, it leads to condemnation, destruction, death. Pastor, stop talking like that. Why? Don't you like it when your parents tell you the truth so you know what to expect? It says on the side of the ark there was to be built a door. And the door was so that all who were going to be saved could go through the door. But there was a time, if you read in the several chapters, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9. That's your homework for this week. There was a time when God told Noah, it's time to close the door. It's time to close the door. When the waters start to rise and the rains start to fall, people are going to want to walk through the door, but it's going to be too late. That's judgment. That's not, that's not up to us. That's God's choice. That's God's word. That's God's promise. The Bible says, Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father but through me. But through Jesus, he is the door. He is the dalet. He is the fourth letter of the Hebrew, alephbet, the dalet. He is the access point. He is the entry point. He is the gate. He is the way. But it starts with faith. Our faith brings us to obedience. Obedience leads to action. It leads us to build. I don't know about you, but I think we got to get to work. And God wants to show us how to rebuild the ark of his church through Jesus Christ. I want to invite the worship team to come on out and church I want to ask you to stand to your feet God is calling the church to build our faith in such a way that it will not fail that it won't sink it won't capsize it won't fall apart it won't start to splinter. This is an impenetrable arc.
a faith that will withstand the storms of life when they come. The storms of unbelief. The storms of loss. Of ridicule. Young people. Believing and trusting in God. When the education system is teaching you otherwise. Trying to build an ark of their own. Trust in God's ark. Trust in God's plan, young people. Parents, trust in God's plan for your family. God's not calling us to have a faith to be tossed back and forth on the waves of life. God wants to build in our lives an ark. A heavy-duty kind of faith. An immovable kind of faith. The kind of faith that he can secure in a person like you. You can be a vessel for God. A vessel that will float on the high seas of life. Come pandemic. Come political turmoil, come war, come rumors of war, come famine, come drought. Your vessel will continue to buoy upon the waters of doubt, of human reason, of human confusion and of human doing. The Bible says that the people corrupted themselves. The people turned themselves into wicked people. Church, we got to know when we are starting to tread on thin ice. You don't want to fall through the waters. God is sending us an ark in his son, Jesus Christ. And we want to make sure that the door is not shut on us. Because when that door is shut, when we die and when we leave this, this body, this earth, there are no more chances. People could, people could pray for your soul after you die all they want, but the decision that you made while you were here on this earth, in this life, when you had breath in this body, is the decision that is going to seal your fate and mine. God is not man, the Bible says, that he should lie. The only way is Jesus. And the only time is now, the Bible says, for today is the day of salvation. My brothers, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. You may not see tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. You may not see next week. Jesus might decide to come right now. Jesus may allow you to slip right out of your skin. Should we be afraid? Absolutely. The Bible says that Noah had holy fear to build the ark. You're like, if it is worth my life, 
the life of my family, I am not going to second guess, doubt God. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to turn to my neighbor. I'm not even going to turn to my wife and say, baby, what do you think? Because I already know. My convictions are such in my own faith, in my own life, is to believe in God and in his word and to obey and get to building. What are our convictions? What is the substance of our faith, you guys? What has our faith become? What have we allowed our faith to become? What, what have we as the church allowed the faith of the body of Christ to become? Whatever it is, let us survey it and let us ask God to begin rebuilding the ark of faith in the body of Christ. Hallelujah.